What's going on, everyone? The Box Jumper Podcast is back again with another great chat about fitness. Thanks for listening. As always, I am your Sherpa on this mountain track, John St. Amand. I am a CrossFit trainer and weightlifting coach in Bedford, Nova Scotia, Canada, and for my international audience, uh, that is that dangly part of land in the shape of a fish hanging off the southeastern part of Canada. There just might be a meme in that somewhere. If you're on social media in any way and you're into CrossFit or the fitness space, you've likely seen a number of CrossFit memes. Now, what the hell is a meme? I'm betting most people don't actually know where the term came from, and I know I had to look into it a little bit. Meme is actually a shortening of the English word mimeme, which is a term with origins in evolutionary biology and roots in ancient Greek. It basically means an imitated thing, or something passed down in our genes, passed from person to person. In our modern world, the shortened version of the word has become uh, something of a label on things. More often than not, an image, a video, or combination of the two, perhaps in animated form, that conveys a cultural meaning, concept, belief, or practice, and passes readily from one person to another. So, it has a relationship to the phrase going viral, but something can be a meme without going viral, and something can go viral without being a meme. When they both happen simultaneously, though, and in particular when they're funny and easily understood at a glance, that's when the magic happens. And that's the magic my guest today knows a little something about. CrossFit-focused memes have a particular audience, CrossFitters. They hold a special place in the heart of the fervent and passionate audience that use CrossFit as their way to stay fit. And so, most of the folks listening have very likely seen CrossFit memes from Make Wads Great Again, whether on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or maybe your favorite CrossFitter has sent it to you. They're everywhere and often imitated. John Woolley started Make Wads Great Again for a bit of a laugh, and it has grown into a bit of a phenomenon. He publishes multiple times per day, focused on this pretty specialized audience who seem to eat them up. As it turns out, CrossFitters, as serious as they are about their sport, also happen to have a pretty good sense of humor about their pursuit. John pokes fun at games athletes and everyday CrossFitters alike, our affinity for chalk, our occasional gym fails, the looks we give coaches when the movement standards are announced, the look our coaches give us when we perform said movement, and the list goes on. John also launched a podcast called Make Pods Great Again last summer with his co-host Nikki Brazier who most of us have seen as a regular commentator at the games and now at some sanctionals. And John got his dad into CrossFit, or rather John's dad decided on his own to jump in. All this while he has a day job. So what does John do with all this extra free time he doesn't have? Well, fortunately for us, he spent some time talking with me about it. So chalk up and sashay up to the bar, because in 10 seconds, I'm going to talk to John Woolley about his meme dreams and podcast ambitions going into his 10th year in the sport. John, thanks very much for joining me. Welcome to the Box Jumper Podcast. Thanks for having me. Um, I, I, I'm really grateful for for uh, your um, saying that you'd come on the podcast. I reached out as um, uh, kind of just pie in the sky idea. Um, you know, I'd been watching your your memes for quite a while, and I, I had picked up on your podcast and started listening to it. And I thought, yeah, what the hell? I'll, I'll try. Uh, emailing him and just see if he might be interested in coming on and 
to your credit, my God, you responded really quickly. <laughs> so thanks very much. Um, I'm very interested to know a little bit more about the story of your content creation, but importantly, how you even came to be in this space in the first place. So just out of curiosity, and, and for those that don't already know a little bit about you from having listened to your podcast, what was your background in sport even before you found CrossFit? Oh, I, had, I had no background in sport. I was a 40-year-old weakling, had literally done nothing <laughs> nothing physical in my life prior to uh, CrossFit other than maybe I did six months of P90X. I thought I was the fittest human on the planet after that. <laughs> uh, Tony Horton has a way of just brainwashing you into thinking you're super, super fit. Um, I'd, the story is I'd, got, I'd gone through a divorce and decided that you know, I had these two little girls at the time they were three and five and decided I just, I wanted to be healthier for them. And so I, I, uh, I started P90X and did that for a while. And, and it's a great program, you know, if you like doing pull-ups and push-ups and a lot of, you know, body weight stuff. And I'd done that for a while. And then a, a buddy of mine and I were coaching my daughter's soccer team. And I, I use the term coaching really, really loosely because they were five years old and, <laughs> And, uh, you don't do a lot of coaching nowadays. You just kind of, you know, round them up, but, Steering, um, yeah, yeah, pretty much. And, um, anyway, so he had, uh, just opened a CrossFit gym, him and, uh, three other investors and they'd gotten a couple of coaches to run this place. And he was trying to tell me about it and he's like, oh, it's like P90X, but on steroids. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, okay, sure. I'm sure it's really hard. And, yeah. uh, I rolled in there on a Saturday, uh, brilliantly without eating breakfast and about a hundred degrees in Ohio and got my ass kicked. <laughs> and, uh, because I'm stubborn as hell, I just never looked back. What was the, what was the first workout? Oh my God. It was so terrible. As a matter of fact, I just redid it the other day. Uh, the first workout is, um, so they infamously, in, in, Famously call it the uh, the intro wide for a CrossFit distinction. It's uh, three rounds for mm -hmm. time. Uh, you do ten thrusters at ninety five pounds, twenty burpees, and a hundred foot walking lunge with a forty five pound plate overhead. Which mm -hmm. sound it sounds innocent enough um, at the time. I did it with a forty five pound bar and a fifteen pound plate, and I swear to God, it took me like thirty three minutes. I think I still hold the record for the longest intro wide ever. <laughs> Um, mostly cause I just went after the burpees. Um, I redid it a couple of days ago, uh, about a week ago and did it in like, I want to say it was less than 11 minutes. Um, mm. it's, it's a hard, it's a really hard leg workout and then it's sneaky on your shoulders from the thruster. So you kind of get in the, the middle of round two and all of a sudden you're like, Oh crap, my legs and shoulders don't work anymore. But yeah, uh, that static overhead for the overhead walking lunges would start to get really taxing. Yeah, it it was brutal. It's still brutal. I mean, I you know I got halfway through it the other day, and I'm like, oh my god, this sucks. But I looked at the clock, and I'm like, all right, well, I'm only five minutes in, so it's so it sucks less. <laughs> There's your metric right there. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> wow. So, um, it, so that that's their standard intro workout. It sounds like it's it's a, certainly a pretty challenging workout. But um, you know, you mentioned that you scaled the workout for that first time that you went through the process. Uh, well, yeah, I was forced to, I mean, I was, yeah. you know, I had no muscle, no, uh, idea what CrossFit was. The coach was right. like, oh, burpees are like push-ups, just do push-ups, you know, or just, you know, treat them like push-ups. And so I just went after the burpees and, uh, you know, knocked out the first 20 and all of a sudden I'm like, why is my heart exploding through my chest? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I didn't really look back past that, but. Well, uh, you would have been fairly well prepared, at least for the body weight stuff coming out of P90X. I wasn't prepared at all. I thought I was. I mean, like, you know, that's, 
I mean, I think, you know, as anybody that's done CrossFit for any amount of time knows that, you know, the, the real secret to being good at the CrossFit workouts is understanding when to take breaks, how long they should be. Oh yeah. Um, you know, to, and being strategic about, you know, how you're knocking the workout and being methodical. And, and I wasn't at all like at every movement I was going as hard as I could go as fast as I could go, which, you know, is certainly a way to go about it. But when it's your very first workout, it's not very smart. Hmm. Right. <laughs> got to be yeah it, it's it's a rude awakening especially those first couple of workouts where you you look at it and you think okay it looks innocent enough and then you actually get into it and you realize just what it does to your body and and what impact the absence of recovery winds up meaning to the way that you move yeah i've um i kind of pride myself on these days particularly on on being a real student of the game and really understanding when you should break and how long you should be going, how hard you should be going, how much you should scale to, you know, yep. based on, based on the number of reps and and that sort of thing. So I've I've saved all those initial workouts that I did and have gone back and retested them over the years. And so I know I'm infinitely fitter than I was in 2011, but but not only that, like I've gotten smarter now where I can look at workouts and tell you where you should break them like prior to doing them. And so I feel like right. I've gotten, you know, um I mean, I've just gotten smarter at it. It's, it is a it can be a very um, mentally taxing sport if if you allow it to be. But if you really start to study it and really understand like where those breaks are, it's no different than any other training method. It's just faster, right? Um, so yeah. How long did how long did it take for you to start finding that uh, more methodical approach to the way that you see each workout? Oh, it took me a long time. I wish there'd been somebody around to tell me early on. I mean, you know, that because you got to keep in mind, like in between 2011 and probably even as late as 2016, maybe even into 17, I think the sport itself, the mindset was it's all about intensity and speed and go as hard as you can as, you know, and hold that as long as you can. And, mm-hmm. and probably the only person, the people that really understood that wasn't true were the games athletes like Rich had it figured out early on is why he was dominating so many people. Um, the coaches that I had at the time certainly weren't teaching me that and telling me that. Um, right. Yeah. And even, yeah, in, even in his first couple of games appearances, you could see that methodical approach to the workouts, even though, you know, he still did them way faster than everybody else. You saw him take breaks and, and you saw him have a, a very specific, like even just his breathing pattern when he was taking a break seemed like it was really well thought out and planned so that he could pick up the bar again or keep moving. And it's, it's really something to watch when you really start picking it apart. Yeah. And I started picking up on that from watching sanctionals and watching the games. And, you know, I remember, I actually distinctly remember the first time I saw Rich pausing at the top of a thruster, like holding the bar overhead and the, and the announcer was probably Sean Woodland at the time, you know, made comment of it. And that was the first time it occurred to me, they weren't just going as hard as they could. And I've been really fortunate. I've trained around a lot and been trained by several games athletes. And at some point I ended up uh, moving gyms and went to CrossFit mentality, which is north of Cleveland, but it's owned by Scott Panchak. And, and that was one of the things Scott started to teach me early on was how to break and when to break and why you should be breaking and, you know, breathing at the top of wall balls and thrusters and, right. and, you know, kind of all these little subtle tricks that, I mean, they're not tricks, they're just efficiency. And, yeah. and, you know, I'm a banker by trade. So once I started figuring out there was a more efficient, you know, way of doing it, you know, just the math of it, you know, I really started to, to break through in my own training and, and have really seen my fitness just really in the last, 
I would say maybe two and a half years really start to skyrocket because of it. Hmm. Now, because you found CrossFit um, when you had already crossed that 40 mark, how did you find your body adapt to that level of exertion, especially coming from no background in this kind of thing? Uh, but there's a number of ways I've looked at it. I mean, I've done a lot of stuff in the last 10 years besides CrossFit, but, um, you know, there are moments where I'm just like, oh, I'm old as hell. And then there, <laughs> there, there are moments where like, I look in the mirror and this isn't my body. Like, and I told someone the other day, like, I think everyone has kind of a point in their life where they think they're the fittest they've ever been. And in their mind, they still look like that. That's why you see some guys walk around the gym with these big beer bellies with no shirts on and they have no shame whatsoever. Cause in their mind, they're still in high school and they still have six packs. <laughs> Um, I was never that guy. I was a musician in high school, so I was never in shape. So in my mind, I'm still not in shape. Mm. And, um, so I will occasionally, um, like pass a mirror, you know, like I'm getting ready in the morning. I won't have a shirt on and it'll catch me off guard because all of a sudden I have shoulder muscles and arm muscles and a chest and abs. And, you know, it's, um, it's almost jarring to my subconscious, and so I, you know, I've, I tell everyone, like, I don't believe the concept that you can't build muscle past 40 and that you can't continue to get fit. I'm the fittest I've ever been. Like 40 year old John would destroy 20 year old John in any workout, anytime, anywhere. Like yep. no doubt in my mind. I mean, health, you know, fit, I'm almost 50. So 50 year old John would beat 40 year old John like a drum. Like it's <laughs> not, not even close. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's different, you know, but you can certainly do it. And, you know, my dad's crossfitting now. He's 75. And, you know, just even in the last six months, he's lost a ton of weight and putting on muscle. So that, I don't think there's an age limit. I think you can. Yeah, I wanted muscle. to ask about that. I, I've seen I've seen some of your posts about your dad and, and the progress that he's clearly made since he started. So it, I, I have to presume that you introduced him to the sport and, and what gave you the idea to, to bring that sport to your dad? Well, I'm not sure I brought it to him as much as he came to it. I mean, they've seen me doing this for almost the last 10 years now. Um, my parents are 75 and 74. My dad's older. Um, mm -hmm. And um, they've had, you know, some, I would call them minor health issues in the last couple of years and decided they wanted to live a healthier lifestyle. So they changed their diet. My dad decided he was going to go to the local CrossFit and, and join because that's just kind of how he's wired. And mm -hmm. uh, in the last six months, he's lost 45 pounds. Um, you know, he's you know, went in with, you know, kind of a reoccurring knee problem and, and, you know, typical issues of someone in their seventies. And all of a sudden he can jump rope and, and squat and, and do all the same stuff, you know, run, do the same stuff they're doing. Like, you know, granted he's, he's scaling most of it, but he's putting on muscle and that's, you know, why I'm convinced like you just, you know, there's no age limit to when you can and, and can't do this as long as you're scaling appropriately and, and you're, you know, monitoring the level of intensity that you're putting into it. I think, you know, anything's possible. That's really the key too. I mean, certainly we've, we, at our box, we've certainly got um, several members that are up in that age range as well. And uh, I mean, you'd never know it the way that they move, but it, it, you know, it has a lot to do with knowing what your limits are, but knowing what your goals are and, and being willing to put in the extra effort and, and, you know, find a way to, to get comfortable with being uncomfortable, even when you're at an age when arguably you could just make the argument that, you know, I don't need to do this stuff, but they're doing it. And what, at least the, the feedback that I get from a lot of the older athletes is that it's having such a positive impact on their life outside the gym that they could never envision going back. 
Yeah. I, I mean, my dad's like the mayor of CrossFit now. Like he, you know, he loves the community <laughs> and, and just like hanging out with people and, and yep. getting to talk to them and just be goofy. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't imagine that he'll quit anytime soon. I think he, you know, not only does he love the community, he loves what it's doing to his body. I, I really think the the big impact is having a gym that, you know, not only will encourage you to scale, but will kind of force you to do it. I mean, I, I'm fitter now and faster and healthier and stronger than I've ever been because I scale more often than I don't. And I think that's the real issue with most CrossFitters. Um, I actually that's a lesson I had to learn as well. It was just one of those, I found CrossFit at 40, granted not in 2011. For me, it was, uh, geez, when was it? 2015. Uh, and it was, you know, it was, I, I had a competitive mentality, although in high school, I too was in the band. I was not a fit person back in those days. Now I, I did find fitness in my university years in martial arts, uh, different kind of fitness entirely. Um, but what I found was that I got very competitive right in, right from the very beginning when I got into CrossFit and I was determined to hit RX weights even before I should have. Fortunately, everybody in the gym was like, no, 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 you can't do that. And, you know, they, they would keep me in check, but I'd still push the upper limits of what I could or should be doing um, until I started to really learn the lesson and, and look at making everything percentages of what I felt I was capable of and adjusting to how I felt in the moment on that day for that workout. And I've, I think I've made more gains in the last two years being much more diligent about scaling than I did in the two years just going at it like a beast. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of scaling. I mean, I scale. I mean, I bet if, if, I, if I do five workouts in a week, I bet I scale four of them. Probably, yep. if not, if not all of them, some weeks. Like I just, I don't see any shame in it. First of all, you know, the only reason you're doing it is to feel better. You know, to look good. You know, be healthy. Like the, if yep. you have goals, if you're trying to be a competitor, then that's a different thing altogether. But you know, like if you're when you're in your late 40s, almost 50, like you know, you're not in a competitive mindset. You're just trying to feel good and be healthy. So there's no no need to bring your ego into the gym and feel like you can sit there and, and compete with somebody day in and day out. Like, what are you really competing for? What are you going to win? There's no prize other than ego. And that's, yeah. you know, it's kind of a crappy prize. And it, I mean, it's very much in keeping with, you know, certainly Pat Sherwood's um, uh, proponent. Uh, he's a big proponent of, you know, go heavy once, maybe twice a week. Um, I'm part of his linchpin uh, programming. And, um, you know, I, I only do occasionally the workouts because I've, I've got my own box to go to and I have a gym in my house. So I'm kind of flipping a coin as to where I'm going to wind up uh, doing my workout on any given day. Um, and, you know, I'm coaching as well. So very often, more often than not, I'm in the box. But I, I still take that exact same thinking into the way that I train, no matter where I am. Um, and so it's, you know, a matter of scaling and adjusting and identifying uh, a day during the week that I might push the weight a little bit heavier, but the rest of the time I'll scale and make sure that I feel that I, I'm getting a good workout, but I'm not going to push the boundaries to the point where the next day I'm going to have a hard time justifying going to the gym. Yep, I agree. So how long has your dad been doing it? Oh gosh. Um, he's a little over six months at this point. Oh, so yeah, he's made some pretty rapid progress then. Yeah. That's it's certainly coming along for him. He's, you know, he's learned to complain about the assault bike like the rest of us. So <laughs> true crossfitter then. Yep. True crossfitter. So when, when in this process did, um, make wads great again, become your thing? I mean, was that your first foray into content creation? I guess. I mean, I wrote a, wrote a blog for a while that um, 
I don't know. I mean, it was getting a lot of hits, but I'm not sure anyone would, would know what it was. I, um, I've been doing Make Watch Great Again for about two years now or less than mm-hmm. two years. It's more like 18, 19 months. Um, and yeah, it was just, it wasn't even content creation. I was just goofing on my coaches, to be honest. Um, right. Just trying to have some fun and and do a few silly things. And when it started to blow up, I'm like, well, let's, you know, let's see where it can go. And then it's never stopped not blowing up, you know, so it just continues to grow and grow and grow. And I just continue to do it. Um, right. But yeah, pretty much at my, I would say yes, it's my first, you know, foray into content creating. But it took off, so you're still with it. Yeah, it um, it just keeps taking off every day. You know, it's funny, like every day is different. You know, yesterday, for instance, I picked up probably 1,200 followers in a single day. Like some days are just big. Other wow. days are, you know, two or 300. It's just, you know, it kind of depends on how good the content is. The community's right. funny that way. You know, they'll tell you what's funny and what isn't. Uh, True. Uh, and, you know, the things that I find funny usually don't do well. And the things that I think are dumb usually do real well. So <laughs> you just kind of figure that out over time. Right. So do you have uh, do you have a publishing timetable? Like, a, a you know, I need to publish X number in a week or do you just let it happen organically? Uh, a little of both. I mean, I try to post roughly about every two hours, give or take. Um, you know, some days aren't that frequently, um, just, you know, I mean, I have a real job. I don't get paid to do this. So, um, it just depends on how creative I happen to be that day. You know, like yesterday's a good example. I had, I don't know, 10 to 12 things kind of queued up all day long. So I didn't have to put much thought into it today. I don't, I literally have nothing on my phone right now. So Hmm. it just, it just kind of comes and goes. Um, I I've had a creative streak my whole life. So like, I don't worry about, well, am I going to have something by my next post at three o'clock? Like I'll have something. I know I, I know I will just, you know, some days I'm just more creative than others. The ones that, that I respond to the most, um, at least in my experience anyway, is, is the ones that poke fun at coaches. Uh, I really do enjoy those ones because being in front of the class myself, we've all experienced those looks. (laughs) We've all experienced the reactions to our instructions or the non-reactions to our instructions. So, uh, you know, I, I can't help but find those ones especially funny. Yeah, I think the trick to having good content is just being relatable. And, you know, there are multiple points of relatability in a gym. It's just understanding who those segments of people are. You know, like every gym is the same. Anyone, anyone that goes, oh, my gym is special, is either yeah. a liar or has no clue. And it's probably yeah. the latter. I mean, it, I can describe your gym right now without ever setting foot in it. You've got a group of people in there that are my age that just want to come in and have a good workout and, and talk and have fun with each other. You got a, a group of, you know, younger people that are hyper competitive. And, you know, the second you say three, two, one, go, they're ripping off shirts and, and stripping yep. down to booty shorts and, you know, flexing. Um, you've got at least one person in the gym at all times. It's an absolute beast that everyone is just flat out scared of. Um, you've got mommies in there that every time double unders come up, they don't want to do them because they've had kids and they're probably going to pee their pants. Uh, that would go for running and box jumps too. And you know, the list goes on and on and on and on. And this is what makes it special. Like it's just, it's a tight community, but we're really similar. And so if you can do, you know, uh, relatable content around those subjects and subject matter, um, people will see themselves in it and then send it to each other. And yeah, that's that's what's really special about it is that, you know, the, the degree of uniqueness um, in any given gym is probably a, a one or two percent bit 
the rest of the rest of it has so much overlap with every other gym, every other community that and I think it's because that there's so much that we have in common, so many things that we do that are the same that allows your memes to be so relatable to such a wide diverse audience from within the CrossFit space or really just the fitness space. Cause I think there's, you've probably got a lot of followers that are really just on the edges or outside the, the CrossFit market that still get it and, and find maybe not to the same degree, but they still understand the humor that you're injecting into the, the content that you're publishing. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I don't have a way of testing that or, or knowing, although I will get messages from people that say, well, I don't CrossFit, but I follow your page or I right. really like this or whatever. Um, you know, I think the trick is just uh, kind of understanding human nature and what people find funny. And then, you know, bes- besides being relatable, you also have to be kind of borderline absurd. I mean, that's kind of the point of a meme is that it's, right. it's not real life and, yeah. you know, or it's, or it's shining an absurd light on real life. And, and if you can do that, that's, you know, really kind of the special place for people. At least I, I think that's what's worked for me. Yeah. I mean, it seems like a lot of the, a lot of the themes that you touch on are, you know, there's a, a kernel of truth, a kernel of reality in there, but you're just turning the dial up that much more to, to shine a spotlight on something you think is humorous about the situation. Yeah. And you just have to be careful to make sure that you don't shine a light on too much truth. I mean, you know, people, <laughs> True. people tend to get offended. You know, there's plenty of topics that you have to have to be really delicate around or, you know, regardless of how true they may be. So just have to be careful. What has been, uh, I mean, what, what's been your interaction with CrossFit HQ on how you're, you know, poking fun at the space that they occupy? Uh, they love it. It's been really interesting. Um, you know, I met Glowen and had uh, breakfast with Glassman and interviewed him for the podcast, went to his house for dinner. Uh, he, yeah, I listened he, to that episode. It was great. He, he loves that stuff. Um, he doesn't really follow per se, but people will show it to him. It's not really his thing. But, right. but you know, he's super kind and generous and, and he has really thick skin. As a matter of fact, the first time I talked to him, you know, I said to him, I'm like, Greg, are you going to have me killed? Because I make fun of you all the time. And uh, he's like, no, no, no. I got really thick skin. Your stuff's really funny. You know, um, the people at HQ themselves love it. I mean, you know, I was kind of coming into my own when they were firing all the people in the media team. And, you know, I got uh, two different feedback from the people that were being fired. They were messaging me going, we really appreciate you doing this. Like it's really bringing some levity into a tough time for us. And then the people at HQ themselves that were, are still employed there that love those people were, were kind of saying the same thing of, Hey, this is a really tough time on all of us. And you're, you know, you're making it better. And so, you know, I think they understand that it's good humor. They also understand because I've I've got a longstanding history of anyone that picks on CrossFit catches my wrath that they know like I'm the biggest CrossFit fan ever. Like there's nothing I would do to right, actually yeah. hurt the brand. Um, and right. so I think, you know, they give me a lot of latitude because of that. Um, and, you know, it's, I don't know, I, I, I relate it to, I tell everyone that kind of the same thing. It's like, I can pick on my sister, but you can't pick on my sister. That's, that's what this is like. You know, like, right. you know, I can make fun of CrossFit all day long, but when somebody else does it, I'm just going to decimate you. Yeah. You know, Cause right. I, I, I love CrossFit. It's yeah. And it's that, that love of CrossFit clearly comes through. Um, I, I don't think there would be that, that same levity in, in the commentary that you're providing on the CrossFit space. If you didn't have such a strong affinity for what CrossFit is and, and what it brings, not just to you, but to the community that, that, you know, is watching. 
Yeah, well, look, it's changed my life. I mean, it's besides making me fitter and, uh, and you know, making me just generally healthier, it's, you know, made my parents healthier. It's given me friendships and relationships that I wouldn't have had otherwise. It's, it's just really been life-changing for me. For sure. Now, you've been, uh, you've been to some of the sanctionals recently. This past weekend, you were at Wadapalooza. Um, what was that like? Yeah, Wadapalooza is cool. It's, uh, I mean, it's Miami, so it's, you know, it's beautiful down there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's hard to describe. Miami's gorgeous. Um, you know, I've, I can certainly understand why people want to live in South Florida. I mean, <laughs> over the, over the beautiful Cleveland, Ohio I'm in today. Um, it, it was nice. I mean, the sanctionals are always fun. You've got a ton of people walking around, you know, I get recognized a lot, so that's kind of humbling and weird. Um, yeah. And you're taking pictures with people. Um, but, you know, for me, getting to watch the athletes and watch other people interact with each other is really why I go. Like, I don't go to sign autographs and shake hands. Like, I, I go to find out what is connecting the community and to help me create content. And it certainly does that. I mean, you know, come right. on, you get t- 10,000 people walking around in, you know, booty shorts and no bowls and, headbands and all the crazy stuff CrossFitters wear, like you can't help but walk away with good content. True. Had you been to regionals before or were sanctionals your first intro to that level of competition? Uh, no, I had been once. So I went in, I guess it would have been 2012. It was the first year that Scott went to the games. Um, mm-hmm. It was They were in Columbus that year and it was a tiny, it was like at a, if I'm trying to remember where they had it, it was like in um, just like an old metal building in Columbus, like maybe at the fairgrounds if I'm remembering right. And you just buy tickets at the door, you know? And I remember Pat Sherwood was there. I thought like, I'm like, Oh man, he's famous. Um, and getting a chance to like see these guys compete. And in those days in, you know, in the central East, which is what it was then or the central, mm-hmm. um, it was Dan Bailey, uh, Rich Froning, Scott Pancheck, Graham Holberg. I mean, like these are the OGs of CrossFit, like all competing. You know, Jeez, that's a, that's a pretty stacked lineup in one region too. Yeah, it was great. I mean, it was really fun. Scott finished fifth that year. And the mm-hmm. only reason he went to the game, you know, they only took the top three. And the only reason he got to go is that in those days, the rules were, if you were a former champion, you were automatically in and Graham and, and Rich both finished in the top five. So, oh, yeah. um, so Scott got in his first year, we were just blown away, but yeah, regionals yeah. was fun, you know, wildly different than what these sanctionals look like. And, you know, the, it was more traditional CrossFit then, you know, now they're doing swimming and God knows what. That's, I think one of the more interesting things that has come out of, uh, HQ's decision to, to get out of the regionals and allow the sanctionals to take over is you've got so many different sanctionals having, putting their, their touch on things, taking advantage of things that are region specific, um, you know, I mean, certainly like a swimming event in Miami totally makes sense. The, the running in the snow event, um, for the, the Norwegian CrossFit challenge. I mean, that, that was a really interesting way to up the ante while also taking advantage of what they have to offer in a particular area. Um, the interesting thing is going to be to see how that, how that shapes things over time, just how, how much classic CrossFit winds up being part of each event versus, you know, the, the, the temptation to stuntify the way that they approach events. And I, I think they've kept a pretty solid rein on it so far, but it's early yet. Yeah, I think it'll continue to evolve. Um, you know, I trust um, Dave. I mean, who does programming for the games. I mean, I think, you know, Dave Castro is a brilliant oh, programmer. Yeah. and He really and, is. And so I think the games will always um, 
look like what we want it to look like from a you know competitive CrossFit standpoint. Sanctionals is hard to say because you know they're they all have a different test and different tests even to get in. Or in the old days, everyone did the same exact same workouts to get into regionals. Now it's even different yeah. to get into sanctionals. So it's it's certainly changing the way people train, changing the way people look at the sport. Um, but you know. I don't, I don't take much of an opinion on it, to be honest. Like I, I think it'll just work out the way it needs to work out for me. CrossFit is not the competitive side. CrossFit's what's happening in the boxes. I could, Oh yeah. Truthfully, I could care less about the games, could care less about sanctionals. They're fun to go to, fun to watch. The athletes are amazing. You know, none of that's a complaint. It's just like, for me, CrossFit is the daily interaction in the box. It isn't the games or sanctionals. Oh, I agree completely. So uh, last year, around summertime, you launched a podcast. Now, was that intended to be a companion piece for the content creation that you're doing? I mean, it doesn't seem to doesn't seem to have the same personality. Um, you know, you, you're talking more about the day to day, the the the, uh, the subjects of interest of the day. Um, but what? How did you envision it when you decided to start a podcast? Was it ever intended to be a companion piece for uh, make? wads great again or was it its own thing no it's i mean it's certainly a companion piece because it's it's me it's part of right you know my humor and in the way i think but it's certainly different than a meme satire page you know and it has to be like i'm not a comedian i think that was the first thing people kind of expected from the podcast is they were you know sitting there going all right well you know john's going to come in and do comedy and this will be a 30 minute (laughs) comedy special and jokes and and whatever and And I can't do that. Like I'm, I'm good with one liners. I'm good with memes. Like 30 minute comedy special is not my thing. So, um, when I started it, you know, I was originally thinking, all right, well maybe I'll, you know, kind of do a health focus and, and, and I still am wanting to focus on what's going on in the boxes and what's in people's minds. But, you know, I don't want to do necessarily CrossFit news all the time for whatever that is. Um, but as I got into it, I realized, all right, like if I'm going to do this, it needs to, you know, be interesting and different and, and something that people can relate to. And so, um, I asked Nikki, uh, Nikki Brazier, who's a sideline reporter for the CrossFit games to, she's someone I had kind of connected with over the years or, you know, over the last year or so through the page to join, uh, you know, she's crazy talented and, and is bluntly the best thing I ever did. I mean, we have really good. Uh, on-air chemistry. She's really funny. She says a lot of dumb stuff, just like me. So, you know, it really, from that aspect, it, you know, it really worked out and she knows a lot of people, you know, much like me. Mm-hmm. So it helps to get guests on. Um, but mostly we just, you know, we want to just come on and, and talk and have a conversation with people and just have fun. And, uh, you know, cause I, for me, that's the thing I think that CrossFit's all about. It's really just about having fun and enjoying yourself. If you're not enjoying it, don't do it, you know? And yeah. And so that's what we're trying to do. Just bring some levity and some, um, you know, some fun to the sport. And we're going to continue to push that forward and see where it goes. That's excellent. So how did you, how did you wind up connecting with her originally? Was it, um, had she reached out to you or did you reach out to her? Uh, actually she, well, she had, uh, she was following me. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, I always, I mean, I, I look at kind of everything that comes in. And so I, if I knew who she was, and she was doing some work. Uh, she came into Cleveland to do some work for the Winter Classic, which is a local competition that's put on here. Um, she's had been doing some work for them for some time. 
Mm-hmm. And so I just, I went out to the competition. I was actually competing there that weekend or, you know, I was on a team and, and so I introduced myself to her and, you know, kind of got to know her through that. And we just had been, you know, started chatting online like I do with a lot of people. And, and, you know, I was asking her like, what are your goals, particularly now that the media team was being disbanded and that sort of thing. And, right. and she mentioned that, you know, she'd like to, you know, she wants to stay in the space and would like to do a podcast at some point. Well, I had started this podcast with uh, a friend of mine uh, locally, uh, Dr. Chad Teague, who's amazing, great dude. But we both just have like super busy work lives. We don't get a chance to talk very much or see each other. And, and you know, he was busy with his job. I was busy with mine. And so I asked Nikki if, you know, she could, you know, start sitting in and doing some with me. And like from the very first one we did together, it was, it was really perfect, you know. And we've just you've got a, yeah, you've got a good back and forth, and it seems like you complement each other well on, um, particularly when you have a guest on and you're and you're you know kind of both jumping in with questions. You have different perspectives and and different things that you ask about, and it really seems to work because of that. Yeah, she's funny. She's really fast on her feet, and she tolerates my BS, which is great. Um, <laughs> so I I appreciate that of her. The funny thing is, we don't plan at all. Like uh, we both just kind of wing it. And that's what we want the podcast to be. We want it to be, you know, just, Hey, let's get somebody on and talk. I mean, we can always edit out the bad parts if there are any. True. Um, we haven't really had to edit anything out at this point because it just kind of tends to work out, you know? And so it's been great. Yeah. I've taken that, that same approach with the way that I've uh, gone with my podcast and I, I've been in, I've been lucky. I've been in very much the same position where I, I really haven't had anything that I've had to edit out. Um, winds up being uh, much easier, much lower stress. <laughs> Just means that you know we sit down, we have a great conversation, and um, you know hopefully it turns into magic that people like to listen to. Yeah, that's all you can hope for. So, where do you envision things going from here? I mean, has the has the meme space changed at all since you got started? Or, or do you just envision it being? Do you? I mean, does it feel like it's it's the same to you as it was when you first got going? Uh, I guess it depends how you look at it. I mean, I've spawned like this kind of subculture of CrossFit memes that are coming up behind me. Um, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of other um, meme creators out there now that are that seem to be mirroring the same sort of thing. Yeah, they're they're trying to, and that's great. I mean, you know, mixed success, more, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, look, the more the merrier. As far as I'm mm-hmm. concerned, I you know I don't care that more people want to do it. it doesn't bother me any. I um. I've, I've viewed it the same way since I started it of decide, of where I want it to go. I mean, the, the page itself is going to stay really pure. I'm just going to continue to grow that, uh, continue to do memes, satire, inspirational posts, posts about my dad, transformation photos, um, mm-hmm. specialty posts, you know, like I was doing stuff for Black History Month in February. I'll do, you know, small business month in October, like, you know, just, you know, uh, stuff like that. Yeah, and, but I'll keep that page pure and continue to grow it. And I'm gonna, I'm, my goal is to get to a million, a million plus. Um, mm. And I'm, a, yeah. I'm almost a quarter of the way to that goal at this point. Um, yeah. Then beyond that, um, growing the podcast, um, I'd like to launch uh, kind of a series of podcasts that I've, I've got in the works right now. So I, I think you'll see um, realistically kind of a Make Wise Great Again channel where you would have multiple podcasts all under one roof um, with me maybe or maybe not being the host of some of those. Um, You know, I'd like to serve other segments of the community outside of just the one podcast, meaning, you know, when you look at CrossFit, you've got a faith-based community, you've got adaptive athletes, you've got 
you know, gay and lesbian athletes, you've mm-hmm. got, you know, diversity, like there's so many other uh, areas that are underserved that, you know, I'd like to be a part of that. Um, so I think you'll, you know, the podcast is what you'll see grow first. I think you'll see uh, YouTube spawning off of that some. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I'm not convinced yet. I want to spend a lot of effort at YouTube, but I, I definitely want to do some. Um, and then, you know, beyond that, I don't know, you know, I guess we'll see. I mean, it's kind of, be- it's becoming media, which I never intended it to be, but you know, I've had several moments where I've kind of broken stories in the CrossFit space, uh, unintentionally sometimes, but, um, you know, I want to continue to do that and continue to, you know, kind of be the, you know, the voice for people like me in CrossFit, you know, I've, without, right. without being, you know, morning chalk up or Armin or any of these guys who I love, they're all great. Um, but I don't, I don't want to do what they're doing. I, I have a lighter touch and I want to be fun and, and see where it goes. Yeah. That's the interesting part is that you're, you're carving out a niche that is not, um, it, I mean, you, you cover news occasionally in a way, but you're not taking a journalistic approach to the reporting of what's happening in the, in the CrossFit space, particularly on the competitive side, which is, really clearly where, where their focus winds up being. And so it, it, it winds up creating an interesting difference between the messaging that, that you're out there with compared to what morning chalk up and, and Armin and, and even Craig Ritchie is doing. Um, so it, it winds up, you know, giving you a ownership of a particular space in the CrossFit market. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned Craig. So when I was in Wadapalooza, I had dinner with him and, and jazz and, mm-hmm. um, and actually with John David who runs obese to beast, uh, also kind of a big YouTube guy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I'm cognizant of wanting to be in a different, like his space is like, he's friends with the athletes. So he's still kind of in that athletic space. You're seeing people compete. You're talking about what it takes to compete. You know, you're yeah. seeing that athletic drive and I love what they do. Like they have really relatable content. It's really oh, cool. Yeah. But, but I don't even want to do that. Like I, I would rather talk to the athletes and talk about the obstacles they've had to overcome or mm-hmm. what the hell did you have for breakfast this morning, Rich? You know, it's like, yeah. like, I think that's more interesting to the average athlete out there. We know they can snatch 300 pounds. Like it's, it seems superhuman. So you can't relate to it or, or very few people can. You just look at it in awe, kind of like looking at the Grand Canyon. Well, it's beautiful, but I can't create that, you know? Yeah. And it's, you know, I want people to see the athletes for what they are and who they are, which in most cases, very, very, very normal people with anxiety and issues and things they've come through in their life just like the rest of us, you know? And I, I think if I can accomplish that, um, it's a bigger win for me because it reaches a much bigger audience than trying to segment it into, you know, this tiny little, you know, news snippet of what happened at Wadapalooza over the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting. So like some of the athletes have started to um, create their own uh, public personas, not just in, the, clearly not just in the pursuit of, sponsorship, uh, mind space, but also, you know, they're, they're, it seems like some of them, um, are using the media, uh, and creating their own channels to kind of pass down things that they've learned as they've, as they've come up and, and matured within the sport. Um, so that the next generation of people that are discovering the sport, regardless of what their age happens to be, they're able to make, um, gains that it took them time to learn 
how to get to. Um, you know, the, the, the example that immediately comes to mind that was successful for me was Cole Sager had a, a video where he talked about how his shoulders were really immobile when he first started CrossFit. That never would have occurred to me with somebody that's that level of athlete having an impingement in his shoulder that meant overhead squatting was difficult because that was something that I encountered from day one. And it took two years of, of work trying to get an overhead squat for me in the first place. And his video um, really resonated with me. And I was able to get down into an overhead squat with a PVC and just hold it there for a while. I, it never would have occurred to me to even try that. Um, and it made a huge difference. And so all of these different athletes that are now that now have different places that they can go to share stories about who they are, what brought them to the sport, what challenges they've overcome along the way. It's fantastic that they have those avenues available to them, whether they're self-publishing or whether they're reaching out to you on, on your podcast or your future channel or whether it's through Morning Chalk Up. There's, they have some options now with the way that the, the media that covers the CrossFit marketplace has, be, has reached into that self-publishing mode. Yeah, I think most people, you know, the average everyday CrossFitter look at these games athletes and think, man, these guys are superhuman. They've always been that way. And when you really get to know them and, you know, I've been lucky where I've, I've either trained with several or I've known them for a while and I've, I've heard their backstories. Like, you know, Scott Panchak's a great example. This guy blew his knee out in college, like blew it out. And, um, you know, now look at him like, you know, he's finished fourth right. in the games four times, you know, he's been in the top 10 dozen times almost um his brothers saxon and spencer fell off a mountain literally fell off a mountain they both nearly died yeah and you know and you know look at these kids now i mean the sole reason they do crossfit is because their mom wouldn't let them play contact sports uh you know or the doctor wouldn't let them play contact sports and and you know you start hearing these stories of what people have had to overcome to get to where they are and you're like man like you know i realize they're young and you know there is some dna involved but but still, like, if you can overcome those obstacles, what can I do? Like, what can I do as an individual athlete to make myself better? You know, I never thought I'd be able to do muscle-ups ever. And thanks to Saxon, I can. You yeah. know, and, and you know, those are the things that are really, for me, the stories that w when you get those out of the athletes and hear them, you know, not only is it inspirational to hear, but I think it does really make a difference in people's lives. And then all of a sudden, they start going – Oh, well, maybe I can do that. I mean, bluntly, that's why I post about my dad all the time, but I mean, I'm proud of him, but you know, he's like a, you know, I watch him 75 year old guy working out. It's like, okay, you know, so old guy working out until I get messages from people going, I've been trying to talk my dad into going to the gym for the last 10 years. He saw your dad yeah. and said, yeah, I'll go now, you know? And, and that's the difference you can really make in people's lives with those stories. Yeah. My mom's 74 and, and she, um, she has serious mobility issues. She's got a bad knee, a bit of a bad back from going back years and years and years. Um, and she's a little overweight and she's, she's asked me, you know, well, what can I do? And so I've given her some really basic progression. She's not ready to walk into a box yet. Um, but I've given her progressions that she can do at home just to, just to allow her to, to feel like she's making some progress and she's seeing some measurable gains. They're slow, but they're still there. And, you know, I, I think that's the beauty of, of the way that, CrossFit as as an idea and the way and more importantly the way that the CrossFit market and the people that are engaged in CrossFit view the way that their fitness can affect other people. It's it it isn't purely about the highly uber elite competitive side because that is that's a tiny percentage 
of who's actually in CrossFit. The majority of people, like you said, are, you know, the 30s and 40s and 50 year old parents and, and, you know, they're, they're in there to improve their lives, improve their fitness so that they have longevity and they're, they're staving off the old age home by getting involved in it as early as they can. But they're also now introducing their parents to the idea that some level of activity can be achieved no matter what your age is. And it will make a big difference to how you move around outside of your gym. Yep. Absolutely agree. So the, the, the weight, um, of, uh, I mean, you launched the podcast only last year by launching it when you did. I mean, I'm not sure exactly how many followers you would have had on Make Wads Great Again at the time when you launched the podcast, but is is the fact that you had already established such a fervent following um, for that channel, is that making it a lot easier for you to, to put together podcast content and, and score interesting guests to talk to? Um, maybe, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I mean, I've, I've doubled my, uh, Instagram following since I started that podcast. I mean, I, in the first year I got to a hundred thousand and then it took me about six months to get to 200 and I'll be at 250 probably in a week or two. Um, wow. so it's like the Instagram page is, is growing incrementally faster than the podcast is, although the podcast is growing very fast. Like it, you know, we, I launched that in May of last year. Um, it really started to take off around December. I've done as many downloads in the first two months of this year as I did in all of last year. So it's, you know, it's kind of starting to, to mm-hmm. really ramp up and, and move pretty quick. So that feels exciting. I don't know if it makes it easier to get guests other than, you know, I certainly know more people like I've had several lately where people have come on, like they've reached out to me and said, mm-hmm. Hey, you know, I'd like to come on and, you know, these are like games athletes. So that's kind of cool. Um, Mm. and more people know me now. So, I mean, I'd be lying to say, yeah, it it doesn't make it easier, but I don't feel like it makes the content easier. I mean, you still got to ask the questions. You still got to organize the the conversation would still be the same. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's really more like I'm starting to get feedback from people now. And that's what I get really excited about is like, you know, even when I was in Wadapalooza, um, the very first person that came up to see me goes, Hey, can I get a picture with you? And I'm like, sure. Takes a photo. And tags me in it, and the tag said, "Hey, reporter Nicole, look who I found!" And it made me really happy <laughs> to know that the very first person that found me related me to the podcast and connected me to Nikki. Right, because that's really what I want. Like, I don't want the podcast to be the John Show. I want it to be a community, much like yep. what I think the Instagram page is. I feel like the Instagram page is a community. Is you know, I run it, but. It's really more about what's going on in the community, and that's what I want the podcast to be. And and I think people are starting to get that and starting to give us that feedback. So, have you only ever seen yourself as um, as a CrossFit athlete? I mean, do you do you ever envision yourself becoming uh, a coach? Oh God, no, um, <laughs> no. I mean, I'm I might get to level one at some point. I mean, I've talked about you know potentially, particularly if I get into YouTube, I'd like to, to do some stuff. Um, where I'm helping people over the age of probably 35, 40 into their fifties understand how to scale. And that that's not a crime that it's not shameful to be scaling. As a matter of fact, Mm. it's smart to be scaling and helping people understand what those scales look like. Like I think people, you'll watch a workout for instance, like we had one the other day, it was deadlifts, uh, box jumps. And I forget what the third movement was. Uh, Oh, it was uh, burpees over the bar. Mm. And so I looked at it and, 
you know, and the rep scheme and the weight. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to scale the deadlifts down to, to 155 and I'm going to do step ups on the box and I'm going to step over the bar instead of jumping over the bar, but I'm going to work with high, high, high intensity. And it was plenty hard. It was really hard as a matter of fact. Um, but what I didn't do was I didn't leave with my back feeling like it was broken, right. which it tends to happen when you're doing deadlifts, box jumps and, and burpee, you know, bar facing burpees, like yep. your lower back lights up. And, mm-hmm. um, and then when it was over, you know, Saxon came over to me, he's kind of my day to day coach. And, and, you know, I, he's like, how'd that feel? I'm like, felt great. And he's like, how's your back? Because he knows that mm-hmm. most people are going to walk away from that hurting. I'm like, my back is great. Here's what I did. And he's like, you did it perfect. You know? And so if I could start helping people understand that, that you can get the exact same stimulus, you can build the same muscle, you can build the same intensity and same cardiovascular endurance by doing these things. And you're going to go home and not feel like you just got hit with a brick. Hey, the more the merrier. So yeah, I mean, I could see myself doing it some, yeah. um, I don't see myself owning a gym and coaching day to day. That's right. not, that's not my passion. I don't, I don't live for that. I love to help people, but man, that would drive me crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the nice, uh, you know, the, the nice thing is you, you've, you know, hit the nail on the head that, that idea that scaling is not a bad thing. Scaling really should be the default position. Scaling really in a, in a way isn't a thing of its own. Like really every workout should be set to, uh, maintain the intent, um, you know, maintain the stimulus, but dial the intensity to what's appropriate to the individual. And if that's the, if that's the approach that everybody takes it from the very beginning, then scaling winds up being the default position. Um, you know, there, there are times when you might have, uh, you know, a particular intended RX position for some movement or, or some weight, um, through the, um, through the workout, but, the vast majority of the times, you're right. It doesn't need to be that way because every single person is different. Every day is different. The impact on your workout the next day um, would be different as well. So, you know, it's just a matter of making it appropriate to the individual so that they come out feeling like they got their sweat on, they got the intended stimulus, and they're ready to do it again the next day. Yeah, I I firmly believe if there's a problem with CrossFit, and I don't think this is CrossFit's problem. I think this is human nature's problem. Is that um, you know we look at the whiteboard and we look at the clock too diligently when we need to be looking at our own level of fitness. And yeah, and the open is the perfect example of this. I got in so many arguments during the open with people online who were giving me grief that, oh, if you can do muscle ups and you can do all this other stuff, you should be RXing. I'm like, who are you to tell me what I should and shouldn't be Mm -hmm. doing? Like, that's not my goal. And I, you know, I, you know, I look at the workouts that I did, they were not easier. They were not even close to easier. They were just scaled. And 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 chances are you got deeper into the workout as a result too. Well, yeah, I've told the story multiple times, but there was the one workout that was double unders and uh, dumbbell thrusters and toes to bar. And the scale Mm -hmm was knee raises hanging from the bar, single unders and dumbbell thrusters. And, uh, when you do at the scale, um, and, and you have good cardiovascular endurance, which I do, you get over 30 rounds. Now I don't care what you're doing. You do 30 rounds, anything it's hard as hell. Like yep. it, I use the full 20 minutes, <laughs> like the full 20 <laughs> minutes and it literally never stopped. I got over a thousand reps. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, you compare that and I, you know, I was telling them, I'm like, look, I could, yeah, I can do toes to bar. Yes. I can do thrusters at 50 pounds. And you know what? I'm really damn good at double unders. I would have gotten 13 to 15 rounds of it done RX. Who worked harder? Yeah. The, the scaled athlete worked way harder. <laughs> they just do like for that particular workout. So it's, you know, to say that a scale is less without really digging into the details, is just not, it's not fair. And it's, it's, yeah. And it certainly doesn't determine your level of fitness either. Oh, absolutely not. And very often the scaled version will test your fitness even more. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you're a big fan of Sherwood and I love Sherwood. Mm. He always says the same thing. Fitness was achieved. And that ultimately that's the question you have to answer at the end of the workout was fitness achieved. And if you're scaling appropriately and, and keeping the intensity level, the answer will almost always be yes. For sure. Well, John, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today. Uh, I wish you all the best with um, both the Instagram channel uh, and um, your future foray into YouTube, should that come, as well as your podcast. Um, I'm certainly going to continue to be watching and listening, um, and I hope the that the guests of the or the the listeners of the Box Jumper podcast will make sure that they tune in if they haven't already been already. I mean, I have to imagine most of them are probably listening and, and watching the channel already. Um, but uh, you know, it, it I, I love the fact that you're posting content that is not only relatable, but in a lot of cases, it's driven from your own experiences as well, which I think makes it even that much more personal. Um, the connection that you have to the community that you've been a part of for now almost 10 years, um, you know, it, it shines through with everything that you post. And so, you know, the love that you have for the community, I think will continue to be reflected in the content that you're posting. Well, I really appreciate it. Hopefully it'll, uh, you know, hopefully it'll continue to grow. I don't know why it's not going to, but Hey, you never know. I might do something dumb next week. So (laughs) anything could happen. Well, the nice thing, I mean, you know, it's, I suppose it is the internet, so maybe you can't say all is forgiven under every circumstance, but let's face it. The CrossFit community is pretty, uh, pretty open and warm and understanding. So, you know, I I think, uh, I think no matter what happens, they'll be following with great interest with uh, what comes next for both your channel and your podcast. I appreciate it. Thanks very much, John. Thank you. That's our time for this episode. Thanks for listening. Before we go, there is one little accessory piece left for this workout, the MRAP up. What's your favorite Make Wads Great Again meme? Can you pick just one? John's ambitious publishing schedule makes it kind of hard to choose just one. Uh, I like anything that makes fun of coaches, honestly, because he seems to have some pretty good insight into the psychology of the coach, not to mention some of the crazy experiences we get to have in front of the room. Or maybe I'm just reading more into things than I need to. Be sure to follow John's accounts on social media to get all the latest. He is MWGA underscore official on Twitter, and simply make wads great again on Instagram and Facebook. Um, Don't worry, I'll put links in the show notes. Um... Be sure to look up his podcast, too, Make Pods Great Again, um, on your favorite podcasting apps. He's had some phenomenal guests on the show, but he also has some great discussions with uh, just about fitness with his co-host, Nikki. If you like this episode of the Box Jumper podcast, please consider writing a review on iTunes or Podchaser. Um, the podcast is unanimously rated five stars, but I'd love it if you would weigh in and add your voice uh, and perspective to the reviews. And hey, I need some actual feedback and suggestions, folks. Reviews are awesome, um, but if just sending me a note to say hi or to give me some topic ideas is more your speed, 
send me an email at info at boxjumper.ca. I'd love to hear from people that listen to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting app so that you automatically receive the next episode of the podcast for, uh, for the next chat about fitness and health. And you can also visit my website, boxjumper.ca, and sign up for my emailing list. I'm working on some more exclusive content for members of the mailing list, so be sure to add your email to the list soon. Some great fitness discussions are coming uh, real soon. They're just around the corner. Until then, use your fitness for good. Stay healthy, wad happy, and wad often.